Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 65 of Season 5 of Movie Our Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard 2 Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob. And joining me today to finish off week 13 is my good friend Nick Rehack from so many different things uh, Rehack Radio, Lyrical Innuendo. He's, he appears a lot on The Lamb. He appears on uh, Exploding Helicopter, and obviously he appears on my show just about every season so far. You, you missed one. That was it. So welcome back, Nick. Thank you, as always, for having me, man. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I forgot to mention, and he even let me, you know, uh, uh, you know, show up at his house to record with him at one point. So, you know. That is true. Only one other person did that. So, you know, that, that says a lot about Nick. I'm just a nice guy, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Why not? You didn't have to do anything. All you had to do was all you had to do was make sure that 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 your cat was around for me to sneeze. That that was it. Yeah. Other than that, we were good. Good, good. That's right. All right. So, episode sixty-five begins with uh, Grant continuing to bark orders and ends with Barnes finally using his mathematical brain. So basically, we ended things yesterday. This, this platoon of men showed up. And if you want to go by the, the script, 12, a dozen men showed up. Again, I, I like that a little better. And I think I think that's closer to the truth than, than the, the 20 that I guesstimated. But we'll have to find out later in this movie how many men are actually in blue light. Who knows? And, you know, we, we have John Amos show up as um, as uh, Major Grant, which I actually find it really interesting thinking about the fact that, you know, we talked about earlier in the week that we just hit the halfway point of the movie. You know, this is a major character, no pun intended, who is actually only showing up <laughs> in the second half of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a film that just keeps building upon itself. Plan after plan, twist after twist, all these extra characters get added. And sometimes a character comes through and you're like, oh, they're just going to disperse some kind of information and then they're gone and not coming back. But not necessarily so with this film. They just keeps they keep coming through, coming through and coming through, which is and they make use of them. They're not just like background or like prop, if you will, like they're actually used. And that's pretty great. Yeah. 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 And and again, they, they waited through halfway through the movie to bring them to bring to bring this character in. Which you know, which, which I think is great because he is very prominent here in the second half of this movie. You know, he's not someone who they're just bringing mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. and saying, "All right, whatever." You know, he's like you said, he's just gonna be a small little part and whatever. I mean, another example of that: Have you ever seen the movie Sneakers with uh, with Robert Redford and Ben Kingsley? It's not ringing any bells, no. Okay, so it's a movie that came out in 1992. It's a, like a spy comedy thriller type of thing about this this group of, of people who their job is to break into unbreakable places in order to show them their you know their security weaknesses and stuff like that. And then they get involved with oh, that's with, pretty cool. Yeah, and they get involved with something uh, some conspiracy and they're not really sure what's going on and things like that. I don't want to get too much into it because you know I, I strongly recommend that people. Uh, try to, to find it and go and see it because I think it's a great movie. But one of the things that always shocked me is, is that, you know, like I'm someone who, who looks at the credits at the beginning of a movie to see what, 
what what actors are going to be in the movie. And predominantly, it mm-hmm. shows that Ben Kingsley is in the movie. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And we're going we're watching this movie. And, you know, this was back in the day when when at least here in Israel, they would have intermissions in every movie, you know, like the halfway point. And huh. they, they had an intermission at the halfway point. And I'm like, wait a second. Wasn't Ben Kingsley supposed to be in this movie? And then right after we came back from the intermission, he shows up and like, he's a major character and he's only in the second half of the movie. So this is like another example of where that happened. So I just thought that's really cool the way that they did it. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I like that. You know, so here, here's another example of, of, cause you know, anyone who's seen this movie knows that Grant is an integral part of this movie uh, for, 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 for the whole plot to work well. You know, you need to have him and his men around. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's very cool. So Grant continues to, to to bark orders at his men, and he goes, let's hustle. Command post will be set up at the airport police station. I want to be tied into the tower in 15 minutes. All right, let's do it. So it's really funny. He wants to be tied into the tower. You know, we saw earlier in the week that it's much easier to be to do that. You know, Victor is able to do it in, in within mere seconds. So you think that they would be able to do it pretty quickly, also? They're they're heavily trained. Yeah, especially with the kind of unit that they are and the type of uh, camaraderie and understanding they have with each other. And then also you have Bruce Willis's line of um, you know, or, or I should say, Colonel's or Major's line where he's like, "Yeah, I taught him everything I uh, I know." Or he knows, and then Bruce Willis is like, maybe he learned something a little extra. And maybe that's that extra, that extra of like, oh, we can tap into this that much sooner than what we normally would have. Ah, maybe. That could be. We'll, we'll have to wait and find out if there is any type of extra there or not. Who knows? <laughs> and, you know, I, I just like the way that he says, you know, he's barking orders and telling them that they need to, they have 15 minutes to get uh, patched into the, you know, into the tower. I, I think I think Barnes could have done it, could have helped them get in quicker also, if that's the case. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I love seeing that, that John is, is still wearing the, the jacket that he stole from Barnes. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't give it back. Just hanging that's on right. to it. No. Well, he needs it. He's outside. He's cold. That's true. But, you know, did do you think... You know, wouldn't Barnes want it back at some point? Even if he's not going out. I think so, but I think John would just kind of keep ducking him. I mean, again, we saw him at the beginning of the the week with with the jacket on still. You know, when he was having the conversation on the stairwell with uh, Trudeau, he still had it on. So I I, I guess he just, he he hasn't gotten around to giving it back yet. (laughs) And then... John turns to Trudeau and goes, hey, Trudeau, things just get better or worse? And w- Trudeau doesn't respond, but, you know, the the way that Fred Dalton Thompson responds here, his facial expression is just perfect. You know, basically saying, I, I don't know, <laughs> it's very possible that, that the situation did not get better. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, it's planting that just littlest bit of doubt in there to kind of like, I guess, keep him on his toes and be like, hey, man, uh, maybe not great. Yeah. You know, and then they, they give us a, a good shot now also of some of the other people who are, uh, you know, who are standing outside with them. 
So you got like the, the the young guy who responded to Sam Coleman when she was interviewing the the the, the Justice Department people. So you see that he's actually there, even though he had nothing mm-hmm. to say. Uh, then you have a few others that you know we've never seen before. But you can also see all of uh, all of Grant's men go by. So did you count them? I did not. All right. So how many do you think are there? I'm going to stick with 12. And you would be correct. There are exactly 12 men that go by. So, yes, it's 12 men. They should have stuck with the with the script. <laughs> Kept it at a dozen. Because <laughs> a platoon usually has more than a dozen. So, you know, it, it, it works better. But for, I guess, for, for people for people who are Absolutely. not necessarily in the know, it doesn't really make a difference from that perspective, I guess. That's true. You know. Um, then, then we get a, a shot from afar at the um, at at the the tower, which this is pretty poor special effects. You know, it just looks like a a little model, you know, with a uh, a snow globe on top, <laughs> where where we, where we see like <laughs> like what's supposed to be a blizzard weather going through, and that's pretty much it. It actually looks like something from a side. Looks almost like from a uh, sci-fi movie. I was just about to say, yeah, like some B-roll from something else, and they just kind of right. borrowed it. That's the way it looks. And then we're we're back in the tower, and we see two of the uh, extras, the engineers, just sitting there. One of them is drinking a cup of coffee while on the telephone. The other one is just looking forward. Then at this point, one of the engineers says, "Lights, big portable lights." We set up the field, and then, and then Barnes bursts in and goes, we wait for those lunatics to shoot them out. And where do we get these big portable lights? Borrow them from Batman? (laughs) (laughs) And then someone says, then Barnes says, what about the air phone idea? One of them answers, there's 18 planes up there. Only five of them have those phones. We got through to three. We're still trying on the others. Then Barnes says, that leaves 13 accidents waiting to happen. Are they still bucking headwinds? And one of the engineers then goes, I just checked the weather. Headwinds are slamming everything over the outer marker. The planes with enough fuel have already been shunted to Atlanta, Memphis, and Nashville. And then Barnes has a brainstorm. He goes, outer marker. Damn, the outer marker. It's a beacon, right? A radio beacon that sends out this beep, beep, beep. So they know that they're over it, right? So, so who says the radio signal has? And then... He gets cut off. People are going to have to come back on Monday to hear what actually Barnes is thought is of doing with this radio beacon. Who knows? We mm. don't know. <laughs> That's yeah, a cliffhanger really if I ever heard one. It really is. So, I mean, some of the things that they say here are very interesting. So let's 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 just go in order. So we'll talk about uh, you know they mentioned Batman. So uh, who do you know who Batman is? Of course, Batman is the. I guess alter <laughs> ego of Bruce Wayne. Yes. Crime fighter, caped crusader, okay. dark knight. Uh, he's, uh, I guess you'd call him a superhero. He's more of a vigilante. And originally, when he was first found, he was a detective. So he didn't get into the really like the Correct. bang, the bops, and the pals until later on, um, which is why I really appreciated the most recent iteration of Batman with Robert Pattinson, how it was took more of a detective slant 
than it did just a running around and bopping some bad guys on the head kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I like that one also. I need, I need to rewatch it. I've only seen it once so far, so and now it's been over a year since I saw it, so I probably should refresh my memory on that one. You know, and I, I didn't feel which the, feels insane. It feels like it just came out. Though. Yeah, and and to me also the the fact that that movie was three hours, the, it didn't even feel it. You know, it just flew right by. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes a film like that, you feel the pacing, but in this one, nope. That's right. That's right. Do you do you know who created Batman? Oh, I used to know his name. Uh, oh, it's Bill. It's no, because it was Stanley and Jack Kirby was at Marvel. So who was at DC? It, I want to say Bill something, but it's it's not it's not coming to me. And I'm a little embarrassed that I can't put it together. All right. Well, no need to apologize. So it was it, the the artist was Bob Kane. And the original writer, who there's much controversy about, is a man named Bill Finger. Okay. So you yeah. were right about All the right. Bill. Okay, I, I I actually saw a great doc, documentary, uh, probably last year, about uh, okay. Bill Finger, and uh, you know about about his, uh, you know his contribution and and what happened, as to why he never got uh, the credit that he deserves. And they were able to find, you know, uh, his his descendants and stuff like that. I mean, because he passed away in 1974. I, I think I thought it was great, you know. And and he eventually did start getting credit for it. You know, the they they were able to to get him the the, the credit that he well, good. deserves. Good. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I mean the 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 documentary that I saw was was fascinating. You know, it really tells you the whole story about who this man was and you know what his con- contribution was and and basically why he wasn't uh you know given given the credit that that he should have gotten okay you know that type of thing all right interested interested but uh you know they they eventually won won the lawsuit and you know were able to to actually uh get get for him what 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 he needed that's really good. The name of the documentary, that if anyone's interested, uh, it came out in 2017. It was called Batman and Bill. Okay, makes sense. And uh, it 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 was a it's a great documentary, and it, uh, it it really tells you so much about who he was and and you know his contributions and what happened between him and Bob Kane and and all that stuff. So. Yeah, that's a that's a great documentary for anyone who's fascinated by the the history of you know the creation of Batman and stuff like that. I'll for sure check that out. You know, so Batman was created in 1939. Oh, 39? Yeah, you should. And and let me know. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, 39. Yeah, and they 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 created it in Mhm. Sorry, I just can't get over that. That's right. <laughs> um, after Superman, no, that's fine. After Superman became such an excess, a success, they decided to, to look for more superheroes, and uh, you know, then they, you know, Kane and Finger created the the idea of uh, Batman. Okay. All right. So yeah, been been around for for quite a long time at this point. Yeah. So, but what what do you know about? I mean, they mentioned here about the bat signal. You know, so what what do you know about the bat? I just signal? know that it's a really big light with a shape over top of it in the shape of a bat. So when they turn it on, it's supposed to summon Batman to the top of the police station where typically Jim Gordon 
Commissioner Jim Gordon is hanging out, waiting to be like, look, Batman, here's what we got going on. Uh, can you help us out? All right. And and when do you think it was the first idea of it? I mean, Batman was created in 1939. When do you think they started Ooh. using the bat signal? Um, I'm going to say – I want to say post World War II, so let's go. Let's go 1949. 42. You're you're close. Okay. Yeah, they they decided that that they they needed a way for for Batman to, you know, for for the police to contact Batman because since Batman's a vigilante, theoretically they're not supposed to be working with him, you know. So they they create they created a way for them to contact him, even though you know putting a big searchlight into the sky with a bat on it is not very incognito it's not a very incognito way to do things so mm-hmm. that's true <laughs> yeah and uh in in numerous uh, incarnations of batman you know uh batman actually gives the signal to the police in order for them to use it you know it's like i, I remember okay. at the end of the 1989 batman you know commissioner gordon says how do we contact you and then he he shows him that he brought him this uh you know, this spotlight. <laughs> I, I just happened to, to carry the spotlight. I happen to have it, uh, you know, uh, I happen to have it near me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, so do I. I think so, too. And, uh, you know, then, he, you know, they talk about the airphones. So we, we've talked in, in previous uh, episodes about the airphones and stuff like that. We talked about the fact that uh, Rennie Harlan has stated that he didn't know it at the time, but that you could not call a an airphone uh, from the ground. I don't know if today you still you, you can or not. From what I understand, you you probably cannot still call it. You know, you definitely can can answer a call that that someone calls you from an airphone. But most people don't use airphones. They just get their Wi-Fi and and you know if you, if you have Wi-Fi, can't you can't you make like uh, WhatsApp calls and stuff like that on a plane? If you pay for Wi-Fi, I don't see why you couldn't. I just never knew an airphone existed. When they started pulling that out, I'm like, "Well, I missed this. When did this happen?" Well, that was before people had their own phones. <laughs> yes, I remember airphones. I've never used one, true. but but I do remember them them having them. But I like the fact that they they mention here, you know, that of the 18 planes that are in the sky. So first of all, that answers our question from earlier this week. Remember, I, I told everyone to, to wait until the end of this, this week. We'll have the answer as to how many planes there really are in the pattern. Okay. You, yes. you remember that, 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 you know, Samantha Coleman said that there are several dozens of planes. So uh, I don't know how she counts, but uh, I, I will not get 18 planes with several dozens. You know, it's, it's, it's a dozen and a half. You know, that, that, that's what I would say. So... You know, but but they also mention the fact here that only five of those planes have airphones, and of those five, they were only able to get through to three of them. So let's say that the airline has twenty of these phones. Okay, it. I'm assuming that hmm. they could get through to at least one of them somewhere. <laughs> if they, if yeah, I would. If you were able to do that, but the reason that they need to say this is because. You know, Holly's plane is one of the planes that has an airphone. So that's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But it sounds like they wrote it into the script in such a way where it's like, oh, yeah, we have this thing, but not all of them are working. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> which, which makes sense. 
You know, I can I can understand why they would say that, why they would do that. So that definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so so there we go. That that's why. But on the other hand, you'd think that why wouldn't someone try and call from the plane to someone on the in the airline or whatever to try and find out what's going on in Dulles? Yeah, something. You know, do, do you think these do you think these planes they saw that the other plane crash? They had to have seen something or at least caught a report. There's no way at least three of them didn't. But we're just not seeing that particular plane and the reaction of said people. Unless it's right. so no, high like, I'm, if, you, if you think about it from, from the end of this movie, you know, they, they're able to see the flames of a plane. So why wouldn't they be able to see it? Is it because they're they're coming in on approach at that point? Or from up on top, you can see the 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 you know the 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 burning carcass of the plane. I don't know. Well, it was it was cloudy when they were up top, and as they came through the clouds, that's when they were able to start see the burning. So maybe they're so high up and they can't they can see what's next to them alongside of them, but they can't look past the clouds to see what's on the ground. Hmm. Okay. All right. That that's a fair assessment. So they might not even know that there was a plane crash. Right. Right. Which, which I guess is sort of good because then they would have sort of panicked. They would be panicking more. You know, they, you'd, you'd have all these pilots uh, mutineering and saying, "All right, I'm actually going to go fly to Nashville, or whatever." You know, I mean, they, I mean, they even mentioned here that that they, you know, all the planes that they could, they sent to uh, Atlanta, Memphis, and Nashville, which is which what we talked just about before. Strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and but when did they send them to those places? Yeah, that's true because there's no real conversation or scene that explains it. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, we did this thing, and it's like, uh, oh okay. Right. Now, do you know the distance between DC and those three cities? Any of them? Have any guess? Uh, are we talking miles or hours it takes to get there? Either way, but hours to get there uh, by plane or by by uh, by car. Which were you referring to? Okay. Uh, I was going to say car. It takes. It would take 13 hours to get from here to Atlanta, so shave off an hour for D.C. That's 12. So let's just say – let's say 540 from D.C. to Atlanta, D.C. to Nashville. Let's just do round numbers in 400. And then it was Atlanta, Nashville, and where else? Memphis. Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. Which is further. Sh- which is further than – Further than that. So we'll do 450 Memphis, 400 Nashville, and 550 for Atlanta. All right. Well, you 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 went way too low on all three of those, but that that's fine. <laughs> so the closest is Atlanta. Atlanta is 639 miles away. Whoa. Uh, next comes Nashville, which is 665 miles from from Washington, and Memphis is 876 miles. Okay. It would take 12. It would take 13 hours to drive to Memphis. From from DC, according to Sheesh. according to the information that I got. Again, someone could be listening to this and say, "Well, I did it in uh, eleven hours." I don't know. That that's just the official numbers that that I got of that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but again, it it you know we we've talked about this many times that if they wanted to uh, play with the if they. If they wanted to end this movie earlier, they would have just, uh, you know, sent all the planes elsewhere, and that would have been it. You know, there there wouldn't have yeah, there wouldn't be any. Yeah, and then movie. it just would have been 
Yeah, pretty much. It'd just be John McClane fighting other people to get a rental. That's right. So he can drive to go after. That's right. That that would be it. So, yeah. All right. So uh, you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? One thing I noticed, and I don't know if it's one of those instead of like every so many pages, the script needs an action beat or whatever. But I feel like every 15, 10, 15 minutes in this film, there's a revelation about something, be it, oh, there's a new technology we can use or, oh, no, this is what the bad guys are doing or, oh, no, like, look how serious they are. It's it's like these, oh, no moments that pop up. And they they just keep popping up in the most opportune of times. And I don't know if it's just, you know, to, to move the story along or to just give some outs or whatever. But after a while, I'm just like, why can't the good guys just nail one of these opportunities? Why can't they just take it and run with it? They just keep falling behind and fall behind, which we talked about earlier in the week. But it's just uh, – Eventually, they get it right, and they're able to thankfully get some things done and, and pull off a win. Spoilers. But for a while, it's just like, how do you not capitalize on this, fellas? Like, get get it figured out. Yeah, you're right. But I guess that, that just is what, what keeps the movie fun. <laughs> it's true. That you don't have to deal with these things. Yeah. So the the, the script has some, some nice uh, descriptive aspects of it. So the... the so it starts off with with Grant saying, uh, "Hustle, command post will be in the airport uh, police office. I want to be tied into the tower and every system that's still working within 15 minutes." And then the sergeant screams, "You heard the man, troop, move it!" Gear and weapons get hustled into the building as the mm-hmm. choppers lift off. McLean turns to Trudeau and says, "Things just get better or worse." Barnes huddled with the engineers, desperate now. The second engineer lights, big portable lights. We set up on the field, and Barnes says, and wait for those lunatics to shoot them out. And where do we get those big portable lights? Borrow them from Batman? And then another engineer says, semaphore. That gets my vote. Do you know what a semaphore is? Uh, I do not know. It's uh, a a system of visual signaling by using uh, flags. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, each other and just, you know, wave some flags yeah, around and that more kind of thing. <laughs> And then Barnes responds to him and says, your vote, you voted for Dukakis. <laughs> which, which which, is very funny, you know, from that time. You know, this was two years after the presidential election where Dukakis uh, got beaten, but whatever. And then, <laughs> and then Barnes goes, what about the airphone idea? And then they, they do the math again about the 18 planes, you know, five of the phones, we got through to three of them. Uh, then Barnes talks about 13 accidents uh, waiting to happen. And then then he says, are they still bucking headwinds? That's eating up most of their fuel. So it's interesting that they mention it that way because it basically tells us that the issue with the fuel, uh, the, the issue with the, the winds is that it then takes up even more fuel for these planes that are circling around. And... I mean, I, I I guess I get that, but I don't know how it would be that impactful. No, well, that that's why it it doesn't. That's why they cut it out. I'm assuming it just doesn't make any sense. And I mean, just the initial idea threw right. me off, but makes sense why they cut right. it out. And instead of him saying beep beep beep, he says boop boop boop. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. 
All right, so every Friday I have a segment called Where Are They Up To This Weekend? And the the idea behind this segment is, is you know, most of the people that are on this, this show are movie lovers, okay? And now we've hit the 65-minute mark of this movie. And the question is, you know, what do my guests, you know, know about their favorite movies? Okay, so... Uh, I, I asked Nick before we, uh, you know, before we recorded uh, for a list of his favorite movies. And now we're going to test Nick's uh, memory to see if he knows where his favorite movies, you know, what's going on in his favorite movies at the 65 minute mark. Ooh, I like this. <laughs> I'm glad. Ooh, I like I'm this. I'm very glad. All right. So the first one we're going to go with is the movie The Shining. Okay. So what do you think is going on around, again, there are different versions of movies and stuff like that, you know, so, and this is all in fun, Nick, I'm not trying to, to put you on the spot and make you look oh, yeah, like an no, idiot, totally. no, you know, gotcha. uh, the idea is mm-hmm. to see, you know, if, if you're able to, you know, decipher and figure out where exactly uh, the, the Shining is up to at this point, what do you think? What would be your guess? I think at this point. Jack has Jack is at the bar talking to Lloyd about wow Uh, Nick that is unbelievable it's where he talks about the fact that he's got (laughs) he he happens to have two 20s did and two tens right and two tens right here in my wallet wow uh Nick I I I take my hat off to you that is amazing Did you cheat? I got the did, biggest smile on my face right cheat? now, man. You have no did idea. Did you cheat? <laughs> no, I have zero idea to look up the 65-minute mark. <laughs> like, oh. All right. Good All right. That's one. All right. Next one. What is going on in There Will Be Blood at the 65-minute mark? Mm. I want to say... I uh, I want to say it's the uh, let's go with the first town hall where he's explaining like what's going on with the oil and everything and as he's leaving I don't remember the character's name but it's played by Paul F Tompkins he's flagging him down and being like uh you know come back we want to talk to you some more so on and so forth No all right Mr. this is when the uh the the, the fire ah the explosion it's, okay the, you know the 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 oil uh, uh, cone or whatever you want to call it is 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 on fire, and they're they're dealing with trying to put it out. Okay. All right. And so the 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 final one that you told me of your favorite movies is the movie Fantasia from 1940. Yes. So what do you think is going on in Fantasia at the 65 minute mark? If I'm remembering the sequence correctly, you would be at the end of the Rite of Spring by Stravinsky, which is the dinosaurs. So let's say it's the part where the dinosaurs are like walking through the sand and the, the hot sun and everything like that. Wow. Okay. You are really, really close on this one. It's the very, very end of it. It's right before the, the intermission. It's We, we see the, the sun uh, setting, basically, and the earth, uh, the earth turning. <sighs> and, you know, right... After this, within the 65-minute mark is when the, the movie goes to its intermission. 
So, and I found that to be really cool. Okay. That, and, and, like, you know, you have this this two hour movie that that goes into intermission exactly at the minutes that that uh, that we're talking about. So yeah, and I yeah, but I, I gotta say I I rewatched this movie yesterday because of you, and I loved it more than I've ever loved it before. I mean, I always enjoyed it as a kid, right? But as an adult, rewatching yeah. it now, uh, I was just enthralled by it. I I can't say that I agree with all of the choices for how to animate it but but i was i was given you know i I was just so impressed with the way that they did this you know back in 1940 that they they animated you know to Mm -hmm. the music itself um you know the sorcerer's apprentice will always be my favorite segment of of this uh of this movie visually this this is just such an amazing movie to, to watch and what's even wilder to think about is originally they wanted to tour it across the U.S., but the theaters weren't equipped right. sound-wise for it. And what they would do is they would play it, and then the next city they go to, they would switch the segments around either the order of it or they would take some out and put new ones in and keep it as like a traveling uh, – for lack of a better phrase, like a traveling circus, if you will, and it's just this big event that you go and see – Unfortunately, because of the time, the technology wasn't able to keep up. But with stuff like IMAX and Dolby Atmos and all that, they could totally That's make right. that That's happen sure. again. Now, uh, as a little bonus, after doing Fantasia, I decided that I will see if you know what's going on in Fantasia 2000. Are, are you at the 65-minute mark? Any Any idea? If I remember correctly <laughs> – it's the it's Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue sequence, and I'm gonna say it's towards the end when like the little girl runs into the street and the parents pick her up so she. No, nah, that, that's much earlier in the movie. Uh, here, this is actually ah. the the beginning of Stravinsky's uh, The Firebird. Ah, okay. Which oh, okay. is actually oh. the final. Okay. The final one. I mean, the 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 movie itself is. Is only 114 minutes. So, or sorry, an hour and sorry, it's an hour. Yeah, it's, it's much shorter than the, the movie is only an hour and 14 minutes. So, so yeah, it uh, it's much shorter. You know, if this was just two weeks later, my your your guess would be that uh, you know the movie is already over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I got to see my work. favorite of the 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 segments in. The second one, excluding obviously the Sources of Apprentice, which they they reshowed, is uh, Pomp and Circumstance mm. with uh, Donald Duck and Noah's Ark. I mean, I was blown away. I've seen this once before, but I didn't remember it at all. I was just blown away the way they did that. I really like, especially the intro where like Donald, you're on now, and he's in the middle of a shower and he like freaking out and he runs to the to the set and everything. I love the flamingo one with the yeah. with the uh, yo yo. But Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, that one, that one really does it for me. Rhapsody in yes. Blue is a really powerful mm-hmm. song that just, it, I tear up every time I listen to it. It's, it's, it's too beautiful. Yeah, and I, I love the Tin Soldier it. also. I think that's a great one also. Ah, yeah. that so, is a good one. So Rhapsody in Blue ends at the thirty-minute mark, just so you know. So, so, so if okay, if, if anyone tests for you, exactly the next time, <laughs> if anyone tests you, you'll know that it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Nick, you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at that rehack, T-H-A-T-R-E-H-A-K. 
Um, you can also find me with the podcast that I co-host with Bubba Wheat. It's called Lyrical Innuendo. We take a look at a song and we decide if it's about sex, drugs, or good old rock and roll. Um, it's a lot of fun to record. We're starting to take a look at different genres and different decades and just really kind of extend and not keep it to just rock and roll, but let's take a look at some country, some folk, uh, you know, hip hop, things like that. So I'm excited to see where we continue to go and I hope you all tune in and give it a listen. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on my website, moveyourminute.com, or you can find me on Facebook. Nick, thank you very much for joining me this week. I had a great time. I hope you did too. I absolutely did. I'm as As much fun as I had on this one, I'm already looking forward to the next one. All right. And I'm looking forward to, to, to picking some good scenes for you next next season also. You know, nice. always always love having you on as a guest. You're, you're, you're so fun to talk to, even when not in person. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank I you. said even when not. I, I, you were fun to talk to in person also. You know. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> and I, I, I always love talking movies with you. So it's always a lot of fun. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, and uh, everyone have a great weekend. I will be back on Monday with a new guest. But until then, yippee kaye! Yippee kaye! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it